On this episode, we're talking about looking for a regular 9 to 5 while you build your dream job on the side. My name's Lou Blazer. You're listening to Second Breaks, and this is episode 109. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Second Breaks, a weekly show where we explore all the ways that we can navigate the future of work, make smart career moves, and thrive in a changing world. Now, just a quick admin update here. I moved the podcast to a new hosting company a couple of weeks ago, and I'm told that some folks may have noticed something funky going on with the feed. So if you did have some funny downloads happening, I apologize for any inconvenience. It is, unfortunately, an unavoidable side effect of moving to a new host, but... This is a one-time thing. I moved to Blueberry, which is one of the top podcast hosting companies. So all should be good from here. Uh, So the thing is, one benefit of me moving to Blueberry is that I now have better stats to um, for the podcast. And so for the first time ever, I have visibility to where the listeners are located. So I just wanted to give a shout out to all the listeners from San Francisco, Lansing, LA, New York, Houston, Washington, DC, and Tampa. Hello, hello. Now that's not where all the listeners are. There's this big bucket called other that wasn't detailed out. So you know, those are just the cities that were detailed out, um, San Francisco, Lansing, LA, New York, Houston, Washington, DC, and Tampa. But if you are listening from another city, definitely ping me, tweet me at Second Breaks and let me know where you're listening from. I would love to hear from you. As you can tell, I'm quite excited about having these better stats now or having better understanding of where you may be from. So uh, I would love to hear from you. I actually would love to connect with the listeners. So definitely tweet me at Second Breaks or email me lou at secondbreaks.com or find me on Instagram at Second Breaks. My guest today is Althea Wiles, owner of and head designer at Rose of Sharon, a floral design studio specializing in weddings and corporate events. So you're probably wondering, why is Althea on the series when we're talking about side hustles? Well, because when she first started out her career, Rose of Sharon was Althea's side hustle. In fact, Rose of Sharon was the reason she went and found a regular 9 to 5. Now, that's not the typical story we hear, right? Usually, the traditional job comes first, and then you discover a side passion that pushes you to start a side business. But for Althea, it was the other way around. She had always known that she wanted to work around flowers. Being a florist was her dream job. But Althea was also practical. She knew that she needed time to build her business from the ground up. And so she looked for a job, a regular job with a regular paycheck. Althea and I talked about how she built the business while working her traditional job, the sacrifices that she made and the challenges that she faced along the way. We dived into the realities of running a business that required physical space for inventory and how she's taking advantage of technology now to facilitate aspects of her operations. One thing that I took away from our conversation is Althea's practical and realistic approach. Although the floral shop was her dream and she was indeed following her passion, She proceeded with a level-headed perspective and a firm grasp of the numbers behind the business. 
So for anybody who wants to pursue their dream and start a side business, this episode is a great primer on what it really takes to get it going. Before we get into Althea's story, I wanted to mention that secondbreaks.com is the home website of this podcast. Over there, you're going to get show notes for all the episodes and transcripts like the one of my conversation with Althea. In addition to that, on the website, you're going to also find resources to help you with your career move. So one thing in particular that I want to mention is the Second Breaks Weekly. If you go to secondbreaks.com, you can sign up for for that. The Second Breaks Weekly is a, well, weekly brief for strategies, trends, and insight on the future of work to help you plan your career move. So again, that's secondbreaks.com. Okie dokie, let me transition to my chat with Althea and I'll catch up with you at the back end. Althea Wiles, welcome to Second Breaks. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk to you today. So what I thought we could do to set up our conversation this uh, morning or today is uh, take a little bit of a trip down memory lane and take us back to that time when you were thinking, you know, I can start my own floral studio or floral business. Well, it actually started when I was in college and I found being a florist by accident. I uh, volunteered at a shop over spring break one time and absolutely fell in love. So I was studying sociology and decided I didn't want to do anything with that. (laughs) I would rather work with flowers all the time. And uh, they were wonderful. They gave me a part-time job. And I finished up my college career working part-time at a shop, went to a second shop in that same town. And then I moved back to my hometown of Fayetteville. From the time I started until the time I decided to open my own business was about four years. And in that four years, I worked at three shops. In the last shop, I had four bosses in two years, which (laughs) was not really a good thing. (laughs) Um, I had also grown up with my parents. They had a small wholesale nursery. And so I grew up with a small business and seeing my parents work from home seeing all the issues and how hard it was, but also the benefits of working for yourself. And so I think from even before I went to college, I knew that I would be self-employed at some point. Um, that was just always something that really fit for me, even though I could see how hard it would be. So after four bosses in two years, <laughs> pretty much running the shop by that point. So I've had at this point, two years of part-time employment and two years of full-time employment, but no true training uh, from my superiors. It was all on the job. I was the only one there half the time. I had to learn how to do it. I had to make it work. uh, And I realized I'm doing this for somebody else. Uh, I can do it for myself. I want to. I've always wanted to. And then I don't remember if it was a specific thing that was just the tipping point or if it was just that many years of not great work environment. Mm -hmm. And so I decided I'm going to go for it. I'm going to do it myself. Um, I ran the numbers. By that time, I had I realized that I really liked the weddings and the events over the everyday type floral design. And so I wanted to work. I wanted to do weddings. Mm. Um, So I ran the numbers. I realized I didn't have the experience, didn't have the client base to jump into it full time. 
and so I started looking for another job just to pay the bills. And that ended up being, um, I was a department secretary for a uh, hand tools, concrete hand tools manufacturer. So I worked in the mechanical engineering department as a, just a, an admin assistant really for six years. And my boss knew from the start that I was working towards having my own business and doing that. So he was very flexible. He let me use my vacation days as um, time off so that I could work my weddings because with a wedding and floral, you have to do it basically the day before um, or stay up all night designing or both. <laughs> Uh, so I would take either Thursday afternoon and Friday off or just Friday to design. Uh, and so I never got vacations. It was always work, even though I was taking off from my full-time job. I was still working on all those days. From the get-go, you knew the, the full-time job always just a stopgap. It was, it was a way to pay the bills to get where I needed to be. Which is another thing that I, I wanted to put a pin on because we hear all the time this wonderful romantic phrase, make your dreams happen. But it's like so, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's so rosy colored, you know, statement. <laughs> this is how you make your dreams happen. This right. is how you make it work. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Just jump. I mean, it would have been wonderful to be able to jump in and support myself with just weddings at 24 years old from the start. That wasn't realistic. Right. <laughs> and it was also interesting that you said that your boss knew. So you weren't, yes. you weren't hiding it from your bosses. You were, mm -mm. you told them that you had this side business going on. Yes. Uh, yes. When I interviewed with him, that was one of the things that I was concerned with was that that would be an issue. Um, and so I asked him how we could handle that. And he said, we could use vacation or you can use personal time. Um, and he was very flexible with that. And he also knew that at the time it wasn't going to be every weekend. It was a few weekends because I did not have a lot of weddings booked at that time. It grew over the six years. But it wasn't every single Friday I was gone from from my job. Yeah. So at that point, when that um, when you that was a full time job, right? And mm -hmm. so at that point, you would consider that was the full time, and the business was kind of like the side thing that you do on the nights yes. and weekends, basically. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, did you? I was just wondering, were you? Did you give yourself some kind of a time frame? Were you thinking, you know, I'm going to do this for five years or ten years, or were you? really just saying, let's see how long I can do this. Um, I didn't have a set time frame. I'm more budget oriented. So it was more when the numbers supported it, I was willing to do it. Um, like I said, I knew from experience from watching my parents how hard that can be. And it's not just how much you're bringing in. You've got your costs and your overhead and all of that. So I was aware of those types of things already. Uh, and so it was more not a specific time frame, but a specific money point. And when that money point was close, I started looking at um, getting out of that job. Plus, the job sort of ended and it actually worked out really well. They moved my position to a different location out of state. And I one wasn't offered the job, but two wasn't willing to move. <laughs> uh, and so it was a really good time. I had done it enough. I had a good history of what my actual cost would be if I was doing this myself. And um, 
And the numbers were close enough that it made sense. It was still very, very scary to make that jump and go from full-time paycheck every two weeks to um, (laughs) variable income, seasonal income. And, yeah, it wasn't quite full-time at that point. You were always working then, nights and weekends, and your vacations. How How was that like? I have never had a point in my life where I had weekends or vacation time. Uh, I started working when I was 14. I either was working full time or I was in school. Uh, When I was in college, I had work study. So I was working then as well. Um, I think probably the least amount that I worked was that two year. Well, (laughs) maybe that year right after college. (laughs) Um, but by the time that I had started Rose of Sharon, uh, I was working, I was the only one there. Uh, it, it was not a good situation. My bosses were not giving me correct breaks or lunches or things like that. So I would be there nine hours with no break. Um, and then if I did a wedding, I was working weddings on the weekends as well. Um, and then once I went full time with Rose of Sharon, it's weddings and working for myself. And so again, there was no paid vacation. Weddings happen on the weekends. I get months. I get seasons that are slower, like July is slow or December might be slow some years. And so it's not I get to to um, recharge on the weekends. I get to recharge by season. <laughs> and it's just always been that way. So it's not something that was unusual for me. Did you actually take over from one of like the the shop that you were working for before the floral shop, did you take over from them or did you actually start your own thing? I started my own. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. And yes. when you started, did you um, open a shop shop? Like, did you immediately have that uh, overhead cost? The retail version of it? No. Um, I really wanted to do weddings and events. And I also knew that the overhead of a retail shop was a lot. Um Florists are very similar to restaurants in the types of overhead they have. They have a very high failure rate, especially for the retail brick and mortar type shops. Um, and since I wanted to do just the weddings, I actually started working at a home studio uh, that last few months of the uh, the admin job when I knew the job was ending. I also started looking for a house because I needed to be able to prove my income to be able to finance the house. But I was looking for a place where I could have a home studio. And so I was working out of my home. Um, so I've had the Rose of Sharon for 21 years now, and it's gone through several variations. It started, a, you know, home studio, back room, small, while I had the full-time job. Uh, then when I started doing it full-time myself, I had the home studio. Um, I did that for about two years and then opened a semi-retail place. It was focused on the weddings, but I had a place where people could come to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I moved into a bigger retail space and actually had retail hours. Uh, and that's the one I just recently moved away from. That was sort of an experiment to see if I still liked just the weddings and the events or if I wanted to move into some of the retail stuff too. And no, I don't. <laughs> I want the weddings, the events. And i recently moved back to a home studio. I'm trying to imagine this this uh, time in your life where you had your full-time job mm-hmm. and then were and then you had clients were you 
trying to throttle down the number of clients? Like, how were you managing it so that it wasn't? It's actually trying to build them up. Um, so this was between 1998 and 2004. So the internet was just barely started. <laughs> no social media. So, But during the time that I had the full-time job, I was doing things like um, advertising in the yellow pages. Uh, I think I might have had some newspaper ads, uh, some local magazine ads. Doing the wedding shows, so we'll have a, a vendor show for the brides to come through and all the, the, the florists and the photographers and everybody has a little booth. Um, so I would do those every year. So I was actively trying to build clients. Uh, one of the things with wedding clients is you rarely have repeat customers. Uh, so almost every wedding that you sell, you're selling to a new client. And so it's a constant, you know, look that funnel, you're constantly starting it. Even if you do have a repeat customer, it's not a big ticket repeat. It's a smaller item type thing. So that's always been an issue. You said that the job was ending because they were moving it to a different location. And that became the point in time when you said, okay, um, I'm going to go full on or full all in with the floral studio business. Were there things you were worried about? What were you basically (laughs) thinking about and managing actively in your mind as you made that decision? (laughs) Well, surprisingly, having a steady income is very, very important to me. And I was willing to give it up. (laughs) Um, That was probably the hardest thing is knowing that I was going from a steady paycheck to a variable income. Uh, And that was it was scary, but I also knew because I had always planned on this being a temporary thing, I had done things like set money aside as much as possible so that when I did that, I had a little bit of a cushion. Um, I had, uh, done the 401k with the, you know, that they offered and things like that, because I knew as soon as I went self-employed, I was not going to be able to do that for a while. Uh, and so I did those types of things then. And then I jumped in and used savings for a little while. <laughs> so, um, uh, so a lot of this, what I'm hearing is that um, a large component of that decision was the financial uh, stability of the business at that point. Yes. And you knew that yes. you could go all in at that point. Did it immediately I, replace the, if no. you don't mind sharing? Mm-hmm. No, it did not. It took, um, it was two years before I could move out of the house. Uh, at the time, I did not want clients coming to the house uh, for for um, consultations. Um, and so I had to do coffee shops and things like that. Now I do video consultations. And so even though I'm working from home again, I don't have clients come or potential clients coming to my house. Uh, but at that time, I I had to either have them come here or meet them at a coffee shop or go to their house. And it took a good two years before the finances said I could afford renting a space to have them come to me. So Two years after you went after, all in. Yes. Is that right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yes. And part of that was I ended up having a couple of very large weddings that gave me a huge infusion of cash. If I had had small weddings, uh, you know, had not had those, I think it was two or three very large weddings at that time period, it would have been longer before I could have afforded to have a retail space away from the house. Um, At that time, were you trying out expanding beyond weddings? What were you basically doing at that time? Or were you always just, you know, this is what I want to do and I don't want to try different things? (laughs) 
I've pretty much always been, this is what I want to do. I like, I will do other floral things, but I've never pushed it. I really love weddings, corporate events, and it sounds odd, um, funerals. And the reason I like those things is because they are pre-planned. You know what you're, it's not a last minute order. It's not somebody calling up and saying, I need something for my wife's birthday this afternoon. To me, it's like, you knew their birthday was here every year. <laughs> Unless you just met her, <laughs> you should have planned this ahead of time. <laughs> I, I'm a planner. <laughs> um, so the weddings, the, the funerals, the, the corporate events, they're a little bit more planned. Um, they're paid for in advance. Uh, but more than that, it was just I really liked the details of weddings, the emotions of weddings. Even though... You know, you would think like the floral business that that your product or service is well, it's product. There is a tangible product, right? Mm-hmm. But you had actually taken advantage of what the digital world can allow you to do. So, for example, online consultations, right? You know, one might imagine, oh, this is a brick and mortar kind of work. You took advantage of what the online mm-hmm. digital world can allow you to do. Yes. Uh, and that was one of the big reasons I was comfortable moving back to working from my personal home is because I knew I could still have that boundary uh, where I couldn't in 2004 when I did it the first time. Uh, but I've always been an early adopter of technology. <laughs> I think if I had not been uh, so completely drawn to being creative in the florist, I would have ended up in a tech field. <laughs> it sounds like it. But do, do you find, Althea, that um, the brides to be that your clients, they are open to having online consultations, like these kinds of consultations without uh, the younger face-to-face? girls definitely are. Um, the mothers are who are now my age. <laughs> when I started, the brides were older than me. And then I was the same age and now I'm the same age as their mothers. <laughs> um, they're a little hesitant, but once we get into it, it's not a problem. Uh, and, but the, the, the brides and the grooms themselves, no, I have not had any pushback on that at all. Actually, they're, they're sort of thankful because they don't have to leave their work or figure out a time where they're coming into town or things like that. Uh, they they can do it at their lunch break or right after work. And so that's a lot easier for them in a lot of times. So I think as we go, the online meetings will be more and more accepted and easier to do. Uh, I think it will become expected. I think that people having to go to a florist shop is going to become less and less, um, just less and less common, really. Uh, I think catering and um cakes will continue because you really do want to taste those Uh, but like I said you're not necessarily going to get the flowers that are that you want for your wedding because I don't know what you want when we first talk right (laughs) so I won't have those in stock no matter what we're gonna get back to Althea and hear more of her story but I did want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by and thriving and thriving is a professional network supporting Gen Xers and younger boomers who are making career transitions and wanting to thrive in a changing world of work and thriving members get access to career pivot resources mentorship future of work workshops and a private platform to develop vital professional connections to learn more visit endthriving.net again that's endthriving.net
I was wondering what you might be able to share in terms of either uh, something that you've learned about yourself or your experience around having both a full-time job and a side gig, being able to do that, or your experience about, you know, just being able to go all in and, and fully supporting yourself through your business. Um. I've always known that I wanted to be a boss and be in charge one way or the other. I really do like working for myself. And I think I've proven that to myself over 20 something years now. Uh, I also, I've always known this about myself, but the, both the, the full-time job and then various things I've had to do since I went self-employed, I'll do what it takes. Uh, I'll take a side job if I need to for a season. I'll, um, I had a newspaper route for six months at one point to take care of some debt so that I did not have to give up my business and go back to work for somebody else. I will do those things, even if they're not glamorous, uh, you know, and, uh, there's security in that, knowing that I'm willing and can and have done those types of things to make this continue happening. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing that. That is so critical. And again, I, I go back to what I said when we started, which is like, this is what it takes to make our quote unquote dreams happen. Right. And so this is, this is what it takes. And, and, um, I always say that there is a cost to whatever career choice that we made. Somebody might say, well, I don't want to do that. I just want to be employed. Not just, but I want to go down that employed path. Well, there's a cost to that, right? Yes, absolutely. Or this. You know, there's a cost to that. And so all the stories that you said, that's the cost to being free to freedom and being your own boss and that kind of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. I have two sisters that are younger than me. Uh, One has... From the very start, said she did not want to ever be self-employed, and she has had um, jobs with various state agencies. So she's always had very secure, regular paychecks, good benefits, all that kind of thing. And then I've had I have a sister that is uh, very creative, could absolutely be an artist, self-employed, that whole thing. Uh, and she has always done things so that she had a full-time job and sold her art on the side. So right now she's a graphic designer and um, she sells her various forms of art, does shows and things like that. But she needs that balance. She needs that secure check and the ability to be creative. And my other sister, like I said, wants just the security. Yeah. Do you think that having parents who are also entrepreneurs or also running a business sort of helped you with your own mindset and your discipline around how you approach your business? It really, really did. Um, because I was able to see uh, both the benefits, how much they got to spend time with their kids. You know, my dad was at every single basketball game that I ever had. He never missed a single game. Uh, my mom was home from, at, so when we got home from school, she was always there, those types of things. Uh, it was very, very obvious that it was because they were self-employed. But on the flip side, it was not a well-paying self-employed job. And so my dad would leave for two weeks at a time and go work for his parents uh, in Louisiana. And so we actually only had dad home half the time because he was trying to make that paycheck to make this dream a reality for them. Um, and I got to see things like how hard it is to keep good help. When you've got a seasonal part-time position that's very low paying. And if you, you know, you might not have as the business owner might not have the income to keep an employee through 
December when you've got no plants growing and being sold, but you need to pay them something so that they're there in the spring rush. And so balancing that out and how hard that was and taking care of the people that they've been close to, because when you've got six people working for you, it's family, it, regardless of, you know, so you want to take care of these people and you want to make sure that their lives are good, but you've got no income. And so how do you balance that? And so I saw my mom do that for years and years, or she would have somebody that was really, really great and they'd move. <laughs> so you'd go through finding somebody and training somebody and then they'd leave. And it wasn't always a bad thing that they left, but it always was hard on the business. I, you know what? And it's interesting. I didn't think about that element because I always thought that, you know, when you have a seasonal business, that it is a, a good thing because you can ramp up your uh, employ your seasonal employees when you need them and then ramp, you know, but you, there's the other side of it, which is what you just said, which is finding good talent when you have a seasonal business because you can't hold on to them. Right. Yeah. You know, it's the whole, very hard. like next, yeah. the next time, the next season, the, the next time it peaks, she or he might not be available anymore because, you know, doing something else. Well, they need a full-time paycheck. That's too. true. I didn't <laughs> think about that. Right. Uh, and if your slow time is in, in the winter there, they need something to pay for Christmas basically. And so they have to have an income. And if you're their sole source of income, if you don't provide that, they're going to go somewhere else. Wow. I didn't think about that. <laughs> Agriculture specifically, but floristry as well. We have big seasons, uh, you know, like June. I don't think I had a week where I worked under 60 hours. July, I was able to take a vacation in 30 hours and, you know, <laughs> things like that. <laughs> like I said, I get my breaks for seasons, not weekends. <laughs> and that's actually something that's really difficult for florists to do, they don't realize that they're giving up their weekends and their holidays if they go into events. Um, and that, 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 especially if they go from a, a corporate job where they're used to having those weekends off, that's a huge switch. We are so conditioned to, to recover on the weekends, to sleep late, to do family things. Well, that's when weddings happen. I, you know, if it's a busy season, I don't get a Saturday. A Sunday is for me to recover. There's, um, there's something called a wedding hangover and it's because you've worked so hard. You did not take care of yourself. You know, you're dehydrated, you're exhausted. You've probably been on your feet for 15 hours the day before. A lot of times it's outside in the sun. So the next day you're just beat. And you, even if you have things to do, you're not necessarily going to be able to do them. And that can last six weeks or eight weeks. Um, and then people think, Holidays with three-day weekends are great times for weddings because, oh, your family can travel. They can come in. Well, for the vendors, you don't get to see your family unless you block that off and say, I am not doing a Christmas Eve wedding. I'm not doing a New Year's Eve wedding or a Labor Day weekend wedding. You have no holidays. This is another element of that whole going back to the whole following your passion because sometimes, you know, we, we look at the thing that we think we like to do. So in the case of a floral studio, floral shops, you think, Oh, well, I love flowers and I love arranging flowers. And, but 
doing that means these other things that you're talking about. It's not always arranging the flowers. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we always side. have people that call or come in and say, oh, it must be so much fun to play with flowers all day. Well, yes, it is. But all day means all day on Christmas and Christmas Eve and Thanksgiving. You know, there's always a Saturday after Thanksgiving wedding. I think I've had one year in 21 where I did not have a Saturday after Thanksgiving wedding. Um, and, you know, but it's also things like you get repetitive motion inju- injuries like carpal tunnel because you've been using snips or scissors for 20 years or you're carrying things. You're supposed to carry close to your body and have it balanced right. Well, you can't carry flowers here. You have to carry them out here. So you get wrist and elbow injuries because otherwise you crush your flowers. Um, so there's those types of things that are not fun. <laughs> I mean, I can go on and on. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. But exactly to the your dirty point. Part. But again, it's like every job has that. Every job has the part that you love and there, there's a part that you're like, oh, this is the painful part or this is, this is the boring part or this is the, I wish somebody else would do this part. <laughs> the washing bucket. Yes. Right. We have so many buckets. I mean, that. always have buckets to wash. Always. <laughs> do you have a, one or two books that's made an impact on you or your career uh, that you wouldn't mind recommending? Uh, profit first. I think it just sort of reinforced the way that I'd already thought about money. I've always been a budgeter and, you know, divide and save and things like that. But it gave me a very good framework for how I was doing it and polished it up a little bit. Uh, but I think it is a good method for almost any business person. Um, so that you're not hit by big unexpected expenses, you know, and not have that saved. Uh, the other one that I really enjoy and I've, I've read several times is The Big Leap. And so overcoming your own, your own obstacles really. And that one's helped quite a bit as well. I love that you said you've read several times because I have mm-hmm. a couple books that are like that too. Like uh-huh. I have to reread that book. I have to relearn <laughs> what. <laughs> That's always a sign of a good book for me is if I'm willing to reread it. <laughs> right. Where can we find you online? I am on all the big social medias that are visually oriented. So Pinterest, Instagram, Facebook, uh, my website is Rose of Sharon, com, And then of course I have all the social media links on the website as well. Cool beans. Well, Othius, thank you so much. This has been such a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you so much for sharing your career journey with me, with us today. Thanks for having me. I hope you found this episode useful for the show notes, all the links, and the transcript of my conversation with Althea Wiles. Head on over to secondbreaks.com forward slash podcasts. For the full Second Breaks experience, don't forget to sign up for the Second Breaks Weekly for strategies, trends, and future of work insights that will help your career move. Next week, my guest is Melissa Emler, who says she doesn't have a full-time job and a side gig. Instead, she considers both of these as her main things. On the one hand, she is the Director of Innovation at a regional service agency for educators. And on the other, she co-owns a business called Modern Learners, serving educators around the world on putting the focus back on learning. In the episode, we talk about how she's managing both of those main things, juggling priorities, and having a life at the same time. We also talk about the fact that Melissa loves her day job and doesn't necessarily want to leave behind 
certainly not a unique story and something I've heard from other folks who have side gigs too. So as not to miss Melissa's story, now is a good time to subscribe to the podcast via whatever app it is that you're using right now to listen to this episode. Or if you happen to be on the website listening to this one, you're going to find options for podcast apps right there as well. One last thing, if you like listening to this podcast and find it useful, I'd appreciate it so much if you would share and tell your friends about it. Okie dokie, I'll be back next week with Melissa Embler and her side hustle story. Until then, keep on making your debt, my friend. Cool beans. <laughs>